Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction. And free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements. Featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Hello and welcome to Off The Beaten Track podcast with Mike Webster, part two. If you come here first and you've not listened to part one, well, you can have a listen but it makes so much more sense if you listen to the first half because it just kind of sets the scene for the first half of Mike's career. Um, but if you're here and you haven't downloaded the other one, then, uh, yeah, come along for the ride. Um, all right, no more waffle about anything else because I know I've done that at the beginning of uh, part one. So please enjoy Off The Beat and Track Podcast, part two with Mike Webster. I've got an announcement. Save Our Souls Clothing, www.sosclothing.co.uk. Why am I telling you this? Because they're our official sponsor. Yeah, that's right. Go and check them out because their clothing is off the scale. You're going to love it. So they've decided they want to be our sponsor, which is amazing. And what I have to do is I have to tell you about why they're amazing. So here's a little bit of blurb. So they've only been going a year. And they're based in South End on Sea, just up the road from me. They put the company together based on a, a love of tattoos and alternative music. And they've worked with some of the greatest artists around the world to produce these items of clothing that are as unique as you lot. All of the designs are printed using biodegradable, sustainable and water-based inks. And in addition to that, they only print on garments made by members of Fairware Foundation. I mean, come on, great clothing and a conscience. Since going live in April last year, they've seen their audience grow massively and are now selling orders all across the world. And they were recognised by Cosmopolitan magazine as one of the best sustainable clothing brands alongside names such as Stella McCartney. I mean, that's quite a first year, right? So, go and check them out because they've put a lot of love into supporting this podcast and I couldn't be happier. What else they've done is they've given you 15% off. So if you head over to www.sosclothing.co.uk, do a bit of shopping, see what you like, throw it in the basket, and then on the way out, put in the discount code BEAT15, B-E-A-T-1-5, and that'll save you 15% off. Amazing, right? www.sosclothing.co.uk. Official sponsors of Off The Beat and Track Podcast. 
let's get back to that podcast. It's off the beat and track podcast on the Distraction Pieces Network. With me, Stu Whipping. Okay, so for track four, the first song you remember buying from a record shop. Yeah, that, this is like, this is quite a mad one because, well, it's not mad, I was just racking my brains because I thought that it would have been something before this, Yeah, this track, and... I thought I must I must have gone in and bought a record like someone who's like had their whole life in music. Yeah, I must have gone and bought a record before this point, and this came out in 1996. Yeah, but I genuinely don't think there was anything. The only things that I had that that came out, the, the only ch- CDs I had before that were like now compilations. Yeah, um, I think now thirty being a particular highlight for me, like. Yeah. Um, I think it had Wake Up Boo on it and yeah. um, what was that track by Freak Power? Turn on tuning, cop out. Yeah, let it flow now, man. Yeah. All, all, all that stuff. I, Norman Cook. Oh, did he do that as well? Yeah. Fantastic. House Martins. Oh. Yeah, awesome. Um, so, yeah, um, that was, those were the first kind of CDs. And I remember being bought, I think we spoke about this before, being bought a Mad Stock CD. Yeah. And that got me massively into madness as well. So this was all like kind of before, but that was bought bought for me at like Christmas. So yeah. what I'm saying is I was bought music. I yeah. never... When I spent your own money on it. Yeah. <laughs> no, I, I, at that point I didn't. Maybe yeah. I didn't have any money or I just I just didn't do it. It's not that I didn't like music. Yeah. I just, it's just not, nothing that I thought of. So the first, the first single, if you like, because you said one track yeah. that I went in to buy was... Um, the earliest one was Australia by Manic Street Preachers, which isn't really one of their their best tunes, really. I don't know. See, I'm not a massive Manics fan. Um, I really liked Generation Tourists. I thought it was a mm. uh, terrorist, sorry. I thought it was a great... Generation Tourists. Terrorists, yeah. <laughs> uh, I thought it was a great album. Um, and I know everybody loves um, Holy Bible. Mm. It just don't do it for me. I get. I mean, Holy... I like the Spectre production of Australia. Everything must go and Design for Life. I like that big. And I kept the Kevin Carter. Oh, Kevin Carter is, I think, the best track yeah. from that record. And um, that was actually the first album that I went in to buy as well. So right. obviously, I think they were on TFI Friday that week yeah. or whatever. And I just got into music. Maybe I got some money for Christmas, and it was yeah. like go in and, and sort of like buy that that record. Um, I didn't know about all the history with Richie or anything. I didn't mm-hmm. know anything about the band at all other than I liked, um, I, I liked. I think I probably heard Design for Life. It might have just been Australia first, actually, because that was the first sort of kind of like seed, single I went to yeah. buy. You know, but that whole album in general, I think, is actually a really, really great album. Yeah. Everything Must Go. I think that Holy Bible is... I, 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 as I said before, I kind of do lean more towards an abstract style music yeah. and Holy Bible's definitely got like a lot yeah. more of that on it. You know, and certainly like some of the lyrics on it are like incredible. Definitely. Um, There's a great podcast um, that I listened to a couple of weeks ago, Nicky Wire, when Adam <laughs> Buxton's podcast and spoke about the, the, the whole story of the Manics. And it's, it's I mean, like, like I said, I'm not a massive fan, mm. but it's absolutely fascinating. It's well, it's, it's an incredible business. story that, that not 
well, you would hope that no band would have to go through, yeah. really. And the the kind of balls on them to just continue after Richie went and did whatever he yeah. did. We don't know where he is, yeah. do we? Um, has he been? Is that, have they com- ever confirmed that he's? Has he been, confirmed that he's dead? Or I is think he... I think they confirmed. Do you know what? I don't want to say. I, I'm sure they've confirmed that he's he's dead. Yeah. But obviously, they've never found a body. But I don't know. Do you, are you on a missing list for? I don't really know how it works. If, I mean, if he if he did plan this and he's kind of living some other life yeah. somewhere else, I mean, fair play to him. Yeah. He's he's literally pulled the wall over everyone's yeah. eyes, you know. But I think as far as their music goes, that they are a bit marmite the Manics, aren't they? Yeah. I think a lot of people are like, you know, that they were quite an acquired taste. I think they did this whole like kind of cop rock almost with Generation uh, Terrorist, or was it Gold Against the Soul? And then and then Nirvana came out, and I remember watching it, uh, reading, watching an interview, and they were just like, oh, my God. Like uh, Nirvana came out with, like, Nevermind, and they were just like, what are we doing doing this? So yeah. I think their Holy Bible was almost a retaliation yeah. to that. And then, obviously, Richie went. And then after that, it, they came out with Everything Must Go, which was the most commercial yeah. sort of thing, and just like catapulted him mm. and rightly so like with Design for Life yeah. he's a great chance. again an, an anthem yeah massive um, a drunk anthem that you would yeah. put in the same league as Don't Look Back in Anger which, yeah. which you men- mentioned earlier completely um, alright for track five uh, the song that soundtracked your years in Clubland I was I'm going to mention two, and I know I know I, I'm, I should. That's all right. But I was thinking about another one when we was, we was talking, and one of them is the one I mentioned, which is "I'll Find You" by Hundred Reasons. Such a good record. Yeah, and the reason I picked that is because I think it it'd be all well and good for me to 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 kind of just pick a load of pretentious wank because I'm in music but I think that wouldn't be the right thing to do this was the kind of thing that was on at the time when I was going to the brush or I think that's it really I think yeah. I, I think I only ever really go to the brush because it was my kind of people and yeah. my kind of music at its perfect age probably like 21 22 at the yeah. time when it came out in a band myself yeah to me this track was just like so euphoric sounding yeah. and it was so it was so um I think maybe because being a musician myself at the time was like, we could do that if we wanted. It, yeah. it, it, it kind of brought it, it, it into reach. Mm. You know, you felt as though you could do it. It was, it was on MTV2 all the time and yeah. that was the place to be. And I probably requested it from you a million times yeah. uh, at, at the brush. But that track always, I remember always, every time that come on, I'd always get on the dance floor. And I hate yeah. dancing, but I'd always jump around to that and, yeah. and love it. Um and they, uh, I'm not too sure what happened to them sort of like afterwards because they, they... The singer become um, the woman covered in leaves on Fraggle Rock. <laughs> <laughs> they cast him cast in Fraggle Rock the movie. <laughs> Was his name Colin? Yeah, that's unfortunate. Isn't it? So great. <laughs> uh, so great you can be a rock star called Colin. That's amazing. Um so did you never kind of delve into the kind of the liquid envies and the kind of tanny clubs to, to hear, you know, where, you know, sometimes you might have to wear a shirt to go in there. And, uh, do, do you know what, man? Like, uh, I think I might have 
dipped into jumping jacks yeah. once or twice um, and realised that like being on Festival Leisure Park at like two or three in the morning trying to get a cab just is not the place that you want to be yeah you know because you're just going to get stoved in yeah. <laughs> at yeah, some yeah, point yeah. I think and and I was like I don't want to be around around this stuff it's not yeah. for me I, I want to listen to I want to relax with people with like minded people and and, yeah. and listen to music that I that I, that I love you know yeah and I, I would always not only because it was free to get in before nine but want to go to the brush early yeah because mm. I could stand and listen to music that I liked and yeah. and have a drink with with yeah people that yeah. I liked as well yeah. not just to, I could do that in the pub but we could go in and yeah you would get in for free but it would be a serious session till like two you'd be there for like you know yeah. the full five hours of it yeah. you know why not yeah you know, so the other one that that I would have picked, and I only thought of this in hindsight when I was on yeah. my way down here, and it's only because you mentioned uh, Bloodhound Gang earlier. Oh, okay. Is um, it's I can't remember. Do you know what? I can't remember the actual name, but it's um, Bad Touch. It's Bad Touch. Yes, you and me, baby, yeah. ain't nothing but mammals. That was just like it's actually a great song, isn't it? Do you know what? It's weird that so as much as we mentioned, obviously, previous guests Dan and Adam mm. were in the Blood Ain Gang. Um, they weren't a band that ever really done much for me. Like, no. And it's weird because they seem to get lumped in with lots of the kind of skate and new metal stuff and, and that kind of blink scene and, and, yeah. and, and all of that. Yet, it's pretty much straight up, almost electro-pop that track, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, I think, didn't they do... Um... I think that whole period was because they did that um, Chasey, Chasey Lane, Chasey yeah. Lane, yeah. um, and all that stuff. And I, I liked the fact they had a sense of humour. Yeah. At times it was a little bit jack jackass for me. Yeah. Everything. Know? There was a lot of jackass stuff going on at that point, though, wasn't there? In music and and film and. It, it was. It, it was kind of like you know skaters kind of falling over and you know. You know, breaking their arms and kind of you know yeah. shaving people's pubes off and you know getting their cocks caught on fucking you know bike chains yeah. and shit like that you know that it was just all over MTV wasn't yeah. it? that was that was the kind of thing the Blood and Gang were kind of doing that anyway yeah they had tracks like I think one of their early ones like Kiss Me Where It Smells Funny or yeah. and that whole era so well they were pop songs really yeah. but they just had like obscene lyrics a bit yeah. like a bit like cunt actually yeah. to be honest yeah Wayne what did you want from um clubbing um well I think I just I just wanted to have a good time I think when when I was there when I when I was single obviously you would you would yeah. go to Paul you know yeah but I was never really good at that anyway, yeah. to be honest. So I'd just be just be there. I wanted to listen to the music that I that I loved. I wanted to be able to go up and 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 ask for a track and not be told to to fuck off. Yeah. And I think every all the DJs that were there, including yourself, were actually were, were quite reasonable. If yeah. you couldn't do it, you couldn't do it. And there yeah. was never any aggro or anything like that. But you would listen to current music as well as all the classics as well. Yeah. You know, so you guys are on the pulse. You know, I don't yeah. know what the what the um, protocol was in terms of you guys at the time getting. Did you get like CDs in the post, mm. and then you, you you'd say yes or no whether you're going to play them? Did you yeah. have to do send reviews back and mm. how it? I mean, how that was that? exactly that. You, you would get promos in in, in the post, yeah. and 
And I, I remember getting Engerica. Uh, oh, damn. I'm like, put pop that in the bin. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, because it had been a long time since a band from our area were had done something, and and you know there was there was other bands. That, there, there, obviously, there was Smother that, mm. that featured Luke from Asylums, yeah, yeah. Uh, and 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 there was you know I, I guess maybe you know Smother might have been was it a little bit after in Gary? I'm trying to think because. It felt like after Ingerica and maybe before Baddies, that was when you kind of had the horrors and Get Cape and Pip and, mm. and, and stuff like that. But it, it felt for me that Ingerica just seemed to come from, like for me, like that there were like these young kids that come to the club and it was like, yeah, you've seen their band. And I was like, no, and I booked you. And obviously to this day, <laughs> yeah. I know it's, we, we've spoke about it a lot, but it, it's the greatest gig I've ever seen in a pink toothbrush. Oh. You know, and I've seen a lot of bands there, and it was disastrous in the end. And, yeah. uh, but that's probably why it's still one of my favourite gigs. It was, it was pretty, it's pretty rock and roll, I guess. You know. Yeah, I mean that, that was. I think that was the the one and only time I ever played the, the brush. Yeah. You know, um, and I'd never, I'd never actually seen a gig in there. So I was like, yeah. where'd they put the stage? Oh, it's obviously the great big thing in the middle. Yeah. Right? It was a stage, but it had all the big bars around it and stuff. And um, I think the reason it was a little bit of a, a, a hostile performance was because we'd, we'd just sacked our management. Right. And it was in the half moon, which is on the corner. We just sacked him. And we said, oh, you know, you don't really do anything for us, so we're, we're going to just go in. And we had an argument and went in and then played, and they come in and watched. And so, but afterwards, they were like, please, can you, can you, like, sort of, can we work with you again? I think they saw that performance. Yeah. And, you know, we're, we're just like, oh, actually, yeah, no, they've got, they've got something about them and stuff. And yeah. I don't, I don't take that as, I, I think that the thing that made Ingerica actually was Dave and, and the way he was as a front man. I mean, taking nothing away from uh, from you two, it, it, mm. Dave was at that gig. He was just this lad that used to sit in a brush, and then what walked out and owned that stage. I was like, "Wow, this 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 is interesting," and he he fucking owned it. Like you know, he was he was gnarly. He was, but there's being gnarly and just gobbing off, and then there's just. Being able to articulate it as well, and then back it up with a fucking performance and a and you know and fucking solid songs, and being able to sing how he could sing, you know. He, he, yeah, I mean, Dave's been um, throughout my life a, a, a massive kind of influence, really. You know, I, I'm, he's one of my best friends. I've known him for a long time. He's he, he got me. You know, he was responsible for getting me into music. And he's always been really supportive of every, everything I've done. Um, taught me how to play and, and write and all, all that yeah. stuff, really. So I've always been, you know, he's, he's kind of one of my heroes, really. But I think as a front man, he, I just had so many memories of just seeing him, like, just go crazy and and just pull it off really well. I've seen, I've seen him fall on his face like a few times as well. Like yeah. One of the worst ones was we was playing... In somewhere in Nottingham to fucking no one, and um, <laughs> and there was he's hardly anyone there, and he's and he's you know doing his usual gobbing off like or, or whatever, and and uh, he breaks a string, and he goes, I don't fucking need that, and it's his like top bollocks guitar, and he just he threw it into the middle of the floor, and I just saw it just go, 
smash or just completely just smashing off and he had this poxy squire thing that he bought for like 120 quid yeah and then for the rest of the gig he just had to like keep trying to tune it up and, that. and he was just all like and afterwards you know he just did like mate you shouldn't have done that should you? you know but like as well i've seen it like really go the right way for him um he could he could turn a crowd like we we i think the last tour we did we toured with the the, the south african rockers seether Remember them? Do you remember them? Yeah, of course. Yeah. Um, they were they seemed like nice guys and stuff. Um, fairly big venues like Storia yeah. size and and that kind of stuff. Uh, we played we played at uh, Bristol O2 Academy, and um, we was the only support band, and they didn't like us at all. And um, and literally they were like they they were just really like screaming at us or whatever. And he just <laughs> what made him do this? I don't know, but he just went. Oh no, I'm gonna go home just because you don't like my band. Like, over the the whole mic, and everyone just started laughing. (laughs) And me and Neil were just pissing ourselves laughing. And then we were just like, and then he just turned around, he was like, yeah, and they just started going crazy. And I was just thought, I think everyone just thought, yeah, fair play, you know, give him a go. And And it was good. And then he turned it around just by. By doing, by just doing a silly thing, <laughs> and I think people again. I think Ingerica were a Marmite band. Yeah, but you got to be like you know. It should. Why do you want to be down the middle? I think being a Marmite band is is important. definitely Dave's. I think people sometimes couldn't get on with Dave's voice, which was quite sim similar to like um, a bit like Billy Corgan and a bit like Brian Mulco. Yeah, I think, and a bit like Marilyn Manson when he really, really yeah. went for it. I remember being in a. Um, when we was recording some, uh, we did we before we did our album, we did some tracks with Sam Williams, who did the I Should Coco by Supergrass, and we was we didn't have the luck we didn't have the luxury of being recording all the vocals in the actual studio. We had to do it in his little studio in the basement, and he wasn't so Dave wasn't in a separate room. So we Dave had the headphones on. We were all in the room, and I didn't know when he was gonna do his vocals and suddenly he just went yeah just screamed as loud and he literally scared the fucking shit out of me and i just thought like that, that, people can't just do that that's yeah. like it was just so unbelievably loud and powerful and it was like marilyn manson or something yeah. like that you know but he could do that just like at a drop of a hat yeah just, to be able to go from like this kind of weird brian mulco billy corgan thing to then just suddenly marilyn manson like yeah. top of your lungs and and he it, dave's He's, he's a fantastic talent. He's a really good actor, actually. He's yeah. been he's doing acting now, like on on stage. He did um, he did Rope by Alfred Hitchcock, and he was literally on stage the whole time. And I was like, wow, that's like yeah. that's talent, you know. Wonderful. Track six. <laughs> Sorry, I just really went off on one then. No, <laughs> no, not at all. Like it, it's, you know, it's it's. It, I mean, what I should say to to sort of tail end what you said there. <laughs> When you was having that conversation after that gig at the toothbrush with uh, your your ex management, mm. um, I was standing on the front door giving everyone their five pounds back uh, <laughs> as as they left because uh, and Garrica were the the, the the weren't the headline band they were the um, the main support to the, the headliners uh, who happened to be a load of lunatics from where I was from. Um, and you decided to finish your your drummer decided to finish the gig by kicking the drums over, yeah. which uh, knocked over the the sound engineer's drum mics. Who took? It was very offended by that, wasn't he? Yeah. And he just went, "I'm going home." And I was going, "You you, you can't go home. There's another band to play yet." And he went, "No, I'm going home." 
and then it just went off, didn't it? I remember. I mean, I think your dad was on stage at one point. Oh, he was. Yeah, he was. <laughs> he was. He was straight in there. He was like, "I have been waiting for this forever." You know, my dad. My dad. It never would never in a million years shy away from a rocket. He's probably caused many in his life as well. And I think he was just like, "Yes, brilliant! I've got. I've sat there watching this shit for like half an hour. Now it's my time." You know, but um, he was he was straight in there. I think someone pinned Neil up against the wall, and it was all just a big like. It was just, bunkers. Yeah, and and it was yeah, it was it was absolutely crazy. And the the Sanjeev did pack his stuff up and go, leaving. Uh, the headline band who'd bought a big crowd down who happened to all be lunatics from the pubs that, that you know that, that, that around my way so they're all going to me still what the fuck's going on son sort it out like I'm going to have to open someone up and I was thinking like, oh, fucking hell <laughs> my uh, dad's like yeah brilliant, <laughs> and I just remember just going look that's it it ain't happening and, and just standing there and it had been a great night because you fucking took the roof off I can't think who else played um the... Uh, and 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 obviously, uh, Walter Burner were, 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 were headlining. Mm. Never got to play, and then I remember just standing on the front door. And and as a you know, at the time, I don't think you were signed at that point, was you? Um, no, like we were, we were that that management was trying to get us. Yeah, there. I think we might have. I don't think we had an agent at that point. They were just touting us around. And, yeah, but really, they were the only they, they were the only kind of support we had at the time. Yeah. Really, and you'd never make money out of a local band night. And that night, I remember thinking, do you know what? I reckon I might have made about 150 quid tonight. <laughs> and then, yeah, I gave them all back and ended up losing about 300 quid. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, but Is that why you brought me here tonight, to beat yeah. the 300 quid out of me? But, yeah, so that was... Uh, uh, just goes down as when everyone says, what's the best band you've ever seen? I thought, straight away, I just think, mate. And I've seen Supergrass at the Rush. Um but yeah, it um, was it was definitely in Gerica. Uh, oh, nice. for, for all of that madness and the fact that I just couldn't believe what what I was hearing, it was fucking glorious. Hello, I've interrupted the podcast again, haven't I? Sorry, it won't take a sec. All I want to say is, the songs that we're talking about in this podcast, if we can't play them, it's just because of the regulations regarding playing licensed music and such. So if you want to hear the songs... Just go over to Spotify and search Off The Beat and Track Podcast and you can listen to all the songs because I've put playlists up for each of these. If you can't find it on there, I'll send links on all the social media accompanying each episode. So you've just got to press that one button and you can go through and you can enjoy all the songs that our guest picks. Anyway, I'll shut up, get back to the podcast. See you on the other side. Track six, favourite song from an artist from your home county. Well, you know, that that was actually quite an easy one. Um, the band, to me, was obvious, but it it just depended on which tune. And it was a toss-up between two. But I've gone for um, World In Your Eyes by Depeche Mode. Solid. Because I just think that just that it, that talking about intros, I mean, that could have been a great intro as well. But it's, it's so cold-sounding. Yeah. And just so... How does it start? dun 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 it's very craft work, you know. Massively. Who produced that? Was that Flood, that album? It was off Fire Later, so it was the first one. And and I never got massively got into Depeche Mode, probably until, I don't know, 
eight years, ten years ago. So it wasn't it, they, they were more of a recent band, but they are like one of by far and away one of my favourite bands now. Mm. You know, I, I love I love the sounds that they produce. Um, the other track off that album was um, "Enjoy the Silence," which is one of my absolute. I think favorite ever tunes, and mm-hmm. funny, I think Erica did do a, a, an acoustic cover of that, which yeah. is which is is quite good. But have but, you had the Pumpkins doing "Never Let Me Down Again"? No, I bet that's good. Mm. I'll, I'll have I'll have a look at that mm. when uh, when I'm on my way back. And there was a there was an album called For the Masses, and uh, and there was a band called Failure. Yeah, I remember them. Yeah, Failure doing "Enjoy the Silence." Um, that's pretty decent. They did have an album with a frog on the front of it. Failure. I'm not sure. It's the only thing I know. I know a lot of people are into them. Yeah. But yeah, for the Masses album's worth a go. There's um, Ramstein do Stripped. Um, oh, I, I mean, I could yeah see why they've picked that. Yeah, for sure. yeah. I got, really like Ramstein as well. Yeah, yeah. They're, they're over. I think. I think they're playing in like in Coventry. Really? I don't know why Coventry, but it might. I don't know it's the football yeah. ground or something like that. But yeah. they're, they're playing there. They're Ramstein not doing at the Rico. <laughs> <laughs> Bring it on! <laughs> um, it's bizarre because you mentioned uh, Cunt and the Gang earlier, and he come round and he found my ticket, which I'm just passing over to Mike now. Of when I saw Depeche Mode on the uh, Devotional tour, uh, supported by Sisters of Mercy, wow. uh, way back in what was that, ninety three, ninety two? Yeah, it's just uh, Saturday, the thirty first of July, ninety three. Yeah. At the Crystal Palace National Sports Centre. Yeah. Awesome. It was awesome, mate. Um, have you seen the recent film? No, I haven't. I went to the cinema to see it. Like, my mate's like, should we go to BFI and watch it? I was like, it's kind of Basil and I'm watching it. It's our closest cinema. Yeah. And, it, and when we got there, it was amazing. The whole cinema was just absolutely heaving with just everybody wearing mode t shirts. And. Uh, yeah, it was it was it was great. Right. How come? What got you into mode? Because you know, just just knowing a lot of stuff that you're into, uh, and 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 hearing some of the bait stuff as well. Was that kind of industrial thing? Did that grow out of like the kind of your your leanings towards like the post punk thing? Did it sort of grow out of that? Yeah, I, I think I think it did. Um, just to me, I've always wanted to 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 keep moving forward. With stuff and to I've been planning bands like guitar bands for years so when I just found myself constantly I don't know why but I, I got into got into craft work and from there there onwards from like um, into Depeche Mode and bands like DAF um, they did that track the De Mussolini if you heard I mean but a lot of their other stuff is always just like really dark and kind of yeah. um just electronic based, cold sort of sounding music. Um, and it, so it kind of came from there. I just felt as though I wanted to do something completely different to what I'd done before. Exactly, exactly what I thought, exactly what I was listening to, you know, just yeah. be like, this is what I clearly love. And it's like, I always lean towards electronic music. Yeah. Like nowadays, uh, electronic music and punk music. Yeah. You know, so to me, when I started doing bait, it was like, well, it, it has to be that. It has to be pure and not really kind of um, considering anyone else other than what it is I want to do. And, yeah. and so, so getting into Depeche Mode, I don't know if there was ever like a, a pivotal point that actually, you know, 
Gardner, Dave Gardner was going around wearing Depeche Mode t-shirts all the time and I didn't yeah. even really, oh yeah, what's that? Some crap he's into probably. Yeah. You know, but then later later down the line, I'm like, oh yeah, no, actually, they're really amazing. Their mm. songs are incredible and, you know, obviously you, you then realise that, you know, Personal Jesus is on that album and everyone knows that tune yeah. and you're just like, yeah, it's just, it's just an in- incredible kind of um, mishmash, like that album of, of kind of like rock and roll riffs almost like mm. like in personal Jesus yeah. amazing songwriting um and and just really cold like electronics because they yeah. were massively influenced by Kraftwerk weren't they in the early stuff as well I, I think any of them bands in the early 80s were going to be influenced by Kraftwerk I think it was you know that was the entry point wasn't it that was the band that made it all happen I guess you know um I, I think Kraftwerk for any of that kind of new romantic thing like mm. was definitely all grown out of a love of probably Kraftwerk Roxy and Bowie yeah I mean we we um we got an opportunity to go and see Kraftwerk when they first did the 3D shows at the the Tate Modern and um we went for Man Machine mm. and that was that was that was absolutely amazing. Yeah, like they 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 literally put me did put me in a trance at one point. I was just like, you know, and I get I would have loved to have seen them back in the day when they had all the analog gear. Yeah. You know, I think that would have been really really cool. But now it looks like there's four blokes just emailing each other at the front, <laughs> you know, and <laughs> which is great. Which yeah. is why they need the 3D show and yeah. everything else. And I totally get it. Um, but but they. You know, th- that was an incredible live set. And the sound was like yeah. just impeccable, you know, just incredible. Just like, just hit you and just every yeah. little thing was just there, you know. And, and in that great building as well, it's like an air hanger, you know. Yeah. It's like fantastic. Um, but yeah, like ele- electronic music has just kind of taken over a lot. I'll, I'll, I'll just lean to, towards that a little bit. But always, I'll always sort of have enjoy the post-punk stuff yeah anything that's slightly kind of like scratchy and just yeah. you know because you yeah. got to play with with some post-punk legends right yeah so um as yeah so i've played i played bass with with gang of four like just was i'd called in sick i was at a job at a call center and um and ollie mccormack who uh do you remember ollie yeah of course yeah um he, he was working at the management company uh, Big Life and That's he said right. he said Mike um, this is a real long shot are you available today you're probably at work I was like no I've just phoned in sick actually <laughs> I wasn't sick at all yeah. and he was like well this sounds really weird but would you come and play bass for Gang of Four tonight and I'd only really just got into them I was like I was literally like listening to entertainment like loads and I was like uh, yeah so I ended up um, going and meeting at Andy Gill's studio and um and he just, he just, he, all I remember is that he, he had this, this kind of engineer that did absolutely everything for him. So it's almost like plug my guitar in for me and get that, get that up there. And he was just sitting down, just playing. And I was sort of like sitting down next to him. And then John King turned up on his lunch break. He had some big, big like um, bank manager job or something yeah. like that. And he's like, I've only got like an hour or whatever. And he's in there doing like damaged goods and like um, not great man and, yeah. and, and all that stuff. And I'm like, I'm sitting there playing this and I'm sort of like fucking it up actually a little bit as well. But I just remember that... Um, and you had to gig that night? We had to gig that night and we played at Brixton 
jam and it was something to do with Damon Albarn. Damon Albarn was like, it was his night or something like that. And we did like three, three tracks. And I remember my dad didn't know who they were. And, and where I lived at home at the time. And he, uh, he's, I said, dad, I know I funny to sit, but I'm, I'm going up. I've got this gig I'm doing tonight. He said, well, who's that with then? And I went, gang of four. And he went, gang of four, more like gang of cunts. <laughs> and I remember, te- and I remember te- telling Andy Gill that and he, they were pissed themselves laughing. And I was like, oh, I can't this could go wrong. But um, I remember fucking up the bit, a, a bit on the bass as well. It's one of my regrets. Like, um, shouldn't focus on that. But in Damaged Goods, the bit, the bit where it goes, um, it breaks down and it's the guitar like, and I continued playing bass through that bit. And I remember him looking at me and I was like, and I'm still like playing. And then afterwards I was like, oh, and he never had a go at me about it because yeah. he could be quite feisty. Yeah. He never paid me either. Yeah. But um, yeah, he was, he was a, he was a, he was a, a, a nice guy. I remember him being quite, um, I remember being quite, seemed quite bitter about the whole, resurgence in um, Brit rock at the time that was coming in like Block Party and yeah. that whole indie thing Future Heads that real kind of angular guitar style yeah. that, that, that I had love. leanings towards the, some of that stuff though didn't it they were all being credited bands like Gang of Four at that point Mass- massively and, and I remember him sort of like sort of almost having he was having, having a bit of a dig about that you know people oh, you know I, I sort of started this it's, but you, you've got to, you know you have your time and take and the credit where, it, where, where it's deserved he is Definitely, as a guitarist, my guitar playing is massively influenced by him. Just that rhythmical kind of, yeah. um, just those patterns, really, really spiky, really angular, that kind of stuff. I love that style of playing. Yeah, and I think that he. In my- if you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm lip fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. 
Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. My opinion pioneered that for sure. Yeah. Um, and in Asylums, actually, we, if you're talking about post-punk bands, we've got a chance to play Killing Joke, who is another one of my, my favourite bands as well. <laughs> and... and um, we didn't get too much of a chance to talk to them, um, mainly because Jazzy's fucking batshit bananas. Yeah. Um, and but then, <laughs> we was we was playing one of the, we played three gigs with I think, and we played one at this venue in Birmingham. I want to say it's like called the Empire or something like that. But either way, there only seems to be one toilet backstage, <laughs> one cubicle right. between all the bands. Yeah. And. Um, Luke, singer in asylums, that does have quite a weak bladder, and um, and you all have a few nervous pisses before you go on, don't you? Yeah, you do, you do. But we were just about to go on, and obviously, Jazz <laughs> Coleman, he's like, you know, he's he's not going on for a while, but he's he's quite quite mental. And um, Luke was in the toilet, and I think he must have been having a shit because he was in there for quite a while. And I think Jazz had got, gone to go to the toilet a few times, and it had been locked. And then suddenly, like I just hear from the from the hallway, who's in the fucking toilet? Get out of the fucking bang 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 on the door! And Luke's in there like, <laughs> and, <laughs> and like, we had we had like um we had uh, someone with us, a guy called Cano, and he was taking photos and that. And he straight away like gone out into the hallway, and we like grabbing it back in, like no, 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 don't, don't go down that road, you know. Yeah. You know, you know, we're not, we're not getting involved in that. And you just had to sort of like let him get involved. I think Luke come back in, and he was just like, but, but then afterwards, after the gig, like he come in, and he was like, you know, oh, great show, guys. Yeah, nice one. And you're like, he's fucking mad. And then I, and then I tried to tried to talk to him before we played the gig with him at the Roundhouse. And all I wanted to say to him was like, you know, I really like the new album and genuinely did. It wasn't like me licking his ass or anything. And um, and I went to talk to him and he just went, nah, that, put his fingers in his ears and went, bah, 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 and just walked away. Uh, and I get this whole thing like, he's the real deal. He like, I think he is genuinely quite a fucking mad bastard. Yeah. And that's fine if he if he if, if he wants to be like that. But I do think you've got to let your guard down a bit sometimes, especially when, you know, you are you, you're in the struggle together. You know, he's kind of had yeah. It's nice to be nice. Yeah, you know, you can't always be. You know, even Marilyn Manson's got to take a shit and brush his teeth, hasn't he? Of course, he's got to take the makeup off at some point. Yeah. So I, that's my thought on that. I think yeah. You, I think you've got to kind of let your guard down. Yeah. Yeah. I. I you can only get away with that in certain places. I think backstage, if you've got a band supporting you, maybe you think you've got a little bit of artistic license to do that. I think if you start doing that, you know, uh, uh, at the roof garden in Basildon, someone's going to put your teeth <laughs> down the back of your throat. <laughs> and rightly so, yeah. 
Absolutely. <coughs> oh, excuse me. <coughs> Final track, Mike. Um, oh, I can't remember what this was now. You can play DJ. So um, it's a song that many may not know that you would like them to hear. Ah, yeah. This <coughs> this is quite this is quite an interesting one because um, I, I thought it'd be good to, to to do something that was completely like unheard of, <coughs> and there was a band called the Spank Wednesdays. They're a really really young band. Um, I, I also te- teach music at college and uh, some of those guys were there and you know quite often people you know students or whatever they'll play play you their music and you'll be like yeah you know it's alright and whatever but I heard this and it's a track called uh, Canvy Man and um, they, they played it to me and I just thought straight away fucking hell this sounds like magazine and like the buzzcocks and, and all this stuff but it, it had all these these quirky lyrics and stuff and it's basically about like kind of driving around on canvey in a white van and uh, there's a section in the middle where it breaks down and he goes it goes like um jammy dodger dodgy bastard jammy dodger dodgy bastard and it keeps and it's only like about a minute and 30 seconds long or whatever but it just it i was just so like blown away that it was by these these kids you know and i was like fuck like yeah this is this is mad but with all the great things, it yeah. it, it it can't be replicated. They'll they'll never be able to record that again in that way. Yeah, They've yeah. captured something, and that's I thought it was really special. You know, yeah. um, if ever I've been involved in something when we've done a track and it's been like fuck yeah, you know, you you can't cover that. Yeah, you've caught that in that one in that in that one take, and and that track, the Canvy Man, is for me. Yeah. I, I think it's just something recently that I've heard. And I felt it would, it'd be nice to do it for for, for some, some young guys that are that are local, and just it reminded me of being that age and yeah. and, and and all that stuff. So genuinely, it's a, it's a great tune, and it's inspiring to be blown away by youngsters of, yeah. of that age. You know, wonderful. Okay, so let's start with with baddies. So what's happening? So <clears throat> yeah, we. We split up in 2012. Uh, our debut album came out on in 2009, so it's 10 years since then, or it was sort of last year. So I saw a picture. Yeah. Of you, because <laughs> you, you always used to wear like matching sort of yeah. shirt and trousers and docks. Yeah. Uh, all wearing them outfits mm. uh, at Sam Get Capes Studio. Yeah. With, SS2. Uh, with Reece. Yeah. yeah. Um, so what did you just get back together and play the album? Just just jam or so what, what yeah, that's that's that is literally what we did. So we um my bro Jim got in contact with me quite a bit before the anniversary, the ten year anniversary, and sort of said, Look, what would you what do you would you consider doing a gig? And I just said flat no. Yeah. Cause I was for all the reasons I said earlier earlier on in the chat. But Mainly that I was, I just didn't want to like kind of open up that because it was it was a difficult time, yeah. you know. Like the, the music industry was was hard at the time. I didn't really want to split the band up. It was just that it it just at the time it just weren't really working, and and we we kicked the nuts out of it, and we didn't I didn't know what the next step yeah was that we were going to do. So I sort of said no, I don't really want to open that up, but I would be interested in us getting together. I'd love to see Cy again. I hadn't seen him in like fucking five years or something like that. Danny lives locally, so we go out for beers every now and again. And obviously I see Jim all the time. 
Um, so I said, I'll, I'll be up for doing a rehearsal and we'll just go through those tunes and we'll just, we'll just have a great day and then we'll go for a curry and a load of beers afterwards. And that's exactly what we did. And weirdly, and this wasn't planned out, but it actually ended up, be, the day we had the jam was literally on the day that it came out. So it was on the 27th of September, you know, 10 years later in 2009. Yeah. And it came out the same day. And we, we didn't actually plan that. It was just going to be around about that time. So that, that was quite nice. And we, we, put a few, we put a few posts up and then people were like, oh, yeah, you should do a gig, you should do a gig. And so I was still sceptical whether there was going to be a demand, but I kind of, I just said, yeah, all right, let's let's give it a try, and we did, and it's and it sold out in a few weeks. So Wicked. it wasn't like sold out in minutes, but it yeah. was sold out in a few weeks, and I was like, that's great. And the good thing is, actually, is it's not all my mates going because none of them bought tickets. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I was like, that was my mates. I said, oh, was, um, he's doing that gig, and I was yeah. like, yeah, no, it's sold out, mate. Sorry, he's... and they were like, really, and I was like. Oh right, okay. You didn't think it was going to sell out, did you? Yeah. You know, and and so that that's that's kind of a, a nice thing. And, I, and I'm, uh, it's it's less than I think it's about eight weeks away now. So it's it's time to kind of like start rehearsing up and yeah. and and doing all that shit. You know, Wicked. so yeah. So we're we're gonna. I think me and Jim are gonna get together. Simon lives down in like Devon, so we've got to oh, kind, really? we've got to kind of rehearse without him. And then he's gonna he's gonna sort of come up near the time, and and we're gonna do like a a sort of. Uh, concentrated rehearsal period of two yeah. days before so hopefully it'll go all right <laughs> okay um bait mm. so i'm writing um a new album at the moment at the what we try and do is it's kind of a, a band on and band off sort of thing because it's juggled with asylums and running the label as well so Bait is we're gonna release a Asylum's album and then and then the idea is I'll be writing that whilst we're on campaign and then when that finishes we'll, we'll switch over and, and and do bait. So um, I'm just writing that at the moment and I just go through periods of writing. I've got to really feel like I want to write, you know, and it's got to be because it is so much like whereas Baddies was like a a uh, collaboration. This isn't as collaborative. Yeah. So it is really kind of like I'm I'm relying on my own kind of yeah. intuition the whole time and yeah, my totally. own, and I think I go through stages of really getting into certain things. So I'll I'll be like really like I'm into synths at the moment. So I'll really get into like synth sounds, and I'll be like, oh no, I want to play guitar now. Yeah, and then I'll be like, oh now I'm into I'm into lyrics a lot. So the, the development process for me is actually quite a, a long one, you know, to actually come up with like a full yeah. album, and I'm and I'm working on different methods to kind of to get um to speed that process up a little bit yeah. to be honest because it's just so many different things i'm just spinning so many plates yeah but i want to try and like speed that up and um there's there's some i've got some really really great ideas like for for tracks already and and great riffs and stuff but it's just it's just a, a big pile of leaves at the moment yeah and i need to kind of rake them all in the right yeah. direction and start start like kind of turn it into a record but but it, it'll be it'll be a great record when it's done but Hopefully it'll be out next year or something like that. Okay. Yeah. In the meantime, asylums. Asylums, yeah. So yeah. you went to Chicago to record? Yes. Chicago? Yeah. I mean, that's pretty fucking cool, right? Yeah, I mean, so I'm at a time in in my career where I am, I want to tick things off. You yeah. Know, I've, there's a, lots of things I'm really proud of uh, that I've done, but I think there's still a way to go as well. So... 
now it's if there's an opportunity to do something that I haven't done before, um, we're gonna we're gonna take it. So we went to Electrical Audio, which is Steve Albini's studio, and he he, he built it off the off, off his probably his money he made from Bush and Nirvana yeah. and uh, and all those great bands it's recorded, and um and, and we went over there and I couldn't believe it when Luke said to me, um, I've I've got in contact with Steve Albini and he said he'd do the album and I was like really, and he was like yeah like he's 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 up for it like he said we we can actually I said is it just his studio? Is he going to do the session? And he was like, no, he's going to do it. So you have to pay a bit more for Steve. Yeah. But the thing is about him is that he's so, he's so kind of, um, he don't take the piss with his, with his um, wages or anything like that. He don't just like pump the money right up because he's, he don't live off his name. Yeah. You know? He's, he's really, really kind of, um, What's the, what's the right word? Humble. Yeah, I think that's the right word to use. He, he's an engineer. You know, mm. and he's a fantastic engineer, and it's a dying art working on on tapes. Everything's mm. done on tape, analog. Like when I did my first ever demos, they were all yeah. on tape. You know, when I go to Studio Adelaide and do a recording or something like that, it's all done like that. So it it kind of went full circle, and it was like kind of back back to that. And it was you have we had to be good. Yeah. So we had to put in a lot of lot of rehearsal time, and and I I think Asylums is a are actually a good live unit. You know, we yeah. we weirdly we're four completely different people. Like J- Henry's like an incredible jazz drummer, and like. Jazz, he's like in, into like completely different stuff to me, and and so it's Luke, and, and we look completely different. We are completely different yeah. as people, but for some reason, I don't know why. When we get in the room and play together, we actually do create a really we gel really well. Yeah, and I would never have thought that. Yeah, and Luke always says that as well, you know. But it it does work for some reason. Like yeah. me and Henry work together really well, and it might just be experience. I don't know now, but yeah. but it, but that works well. But working with Steve was like. I was a little bit kind of starstruck when I walked in there. He was in another session and he was a bit cold at first. And he kind of just sort of said, because um, you live in the same place as well. So it's like a, it's like an, an apartment. And, and the, fr- the first bit's like a, like a kind of American style apartment, like it was in Friends or something. And then you just go through this door and then there's this, this little studio and then there's this massive, great big room that's like where the ceiling's so high, it's unbelievable. And it, it, that's how they get that monster drum sound. Yeah. And um, I remember like sort of going in there and he just, he sat us all down. He's very methodical. And he was just like, he gave us all a pen and paper and he sort of said like, you need to write all this stuff down. You need to write down exactly what you want. And it's like sh- all sharpened pencils, all very, like he's in his overalls. He's, he's like a proper old school engineer. Yeah. Um, and we was like, okay. We was a bit like, well, we did send this to you in, in, over the <laughs> email, but you know, we, we, we do it all again. Like yeah, now, like, do it in pencil, yeah. it's fine. Yeah, yeah. So, um, and, you know, he was actually so easy to work with. We were shitting ourselves a little bit because I had divisions of him being like, I can't work with this. I can't work with how yeah. incompetent you are. You haven't got your shit together. You know, we spoke with Dave Erringer before we went over there, who's worked with him. He um, produced the Ingerica album and the Smother album, actually, as well. Yeah. Did he and work we, with the Mannix? Yeah, that's that's the main band that he, he did. Yeah. Um, if you tolerate this. Yeah. Yeah. So he did that and he he done, I think he done some stuff off of um, Everything Must Go. I can't remember which track it was. Might be like the last one or something yeah. like that. 
Um, but we spoke to him before we went over there and said, you got, have you got like, any tips? And he just said, just be fucking super, super prepared because he just will not like, like working, like he just will not have it if you're not prepared. He just won't like working with you. He'll yeah. just be like, you've, you're wasting your time. He likes to be efficient. He likes to be, yeah. and you're worried. We was worried about pissing him off. But like, I think within the first few days, you know, we started, started talking about Viz magazine and, and, and he loved all that stuff and, and he's, you know, farting and just being a, you know, like it is, like yeah. blokes in a studio and yeah. all that. And, you know, he just opened up and he just had so many great stories and, 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 and stuff. And obviously I didn't ask him about Nirvana or anything mm. like that. Cause you're like such a knob if you yeah. ask him about that, but you know, you can ask him about a few other things. Like I was, I was a, a big fan of the, of the band Helmet and they, he did, uh, he did, uh, meantime he did with him and he was like quite open about talking about that and yeah it was it was it was just it was just kind of like quite surreal really yeah. just just talking to him and just you, you're calling him Steve yeah and that's yeah. weird isn't it when you, yeah absolutely. you must have it when you when you interview like you know uh, famous people on your yeah. on your podcast when you're just calling them by their first name yeah you used to call it no, well, you used to like call them by their full name. Yeah, you know, or yeah, 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 yeah. Because you're talking about them, not to them. Yeah, you feel like you know them. You know, yeah. you feel like you're, you you've got that kind of you're slightly closer. Yeah, and um, yeah, he was, he was really, um, you know, he, he was a, a, a real big, real nice bloke, real big fan of like sports actually. So like, he was a real, real big fan of like um, baseball stuff like that and he was telling me all about baseball and, and all the rules and all and, and all this stuff and I was just thinking like he's not how I thought he was yeah you know I thought he would have been like quite a sharp like as in like maybe a bit spiky a bit kind yeah. of like you know a bit co too cool for school maybe yeah. a bit snobbish maybe yeah. but he just wasn't he was this guy that just loves loves cats always would just constantly if, if you ask him a question he'd just go meow and you'd be like all right, okay. And his whole thing is like, I don't have an opinion. You'll ask him saying, you can't say to him, what do you think about that base take? He'd be like, I don't have an opinion. You know, you just, do you want to do it again? And he'd be like, uh, okay, yeah, all right, or whatever. Wow. Which we didn't do, obviously do many of those. They, yeah. were, they were obviously first takes. Obviously, time, yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, he, he was... But if you asked him to do anything, he would he'd just do it yeah. straight away for you. Yeah. Just be like, right, coming right up. He didn't eat a thing all day, ever. He would not eat anything. All he'd do is drink root beer and then he'd have these coffees called Fluffies. And he, <laughs> and he, had, he always had an intern there to make his Fluffies. I guess you could call him a fluffer. Um, but and 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 that's all he would do. That's the, the, he'd just do that, and he'd just work his balls off, work really hard, and he'd just be just be incredibly talented at doing it. And just watching him like cutting tape up, and I'd be shitting myself about where. Yeah, he's, yeah, but he yeah. He just don't give a shit. He's just like marks it up. Yep, it's done. Fine. He's he's just so versed in it. Wow. He's you know. Um, I said, I said to him, "What do you see?" I was on my own with him, and I said, "What do you see yourself as? What are you first? Are you, uh, are you a musician or are you an engineer?" And he did say musician. Yeah. And I, that surprised me, just because he, because because he's so, he's so, um, 
you know, he's in his overalls. He's so methodical. He's so organised. Yeah. But then maybe because he is in his overalls, he does see it like work. Work, yeah. It's not. He's not recording asylums because he loves asylums. You know, he probably don't. He'll probably never fucking listen to it ever again in his life. Yeah. It's work to him. Yeah. You know, and it's a nice box for you, though, right? It does. It, no, it 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 really does. Yeah. And to work with someone that is doing it. It would appear to me for all the right reasons. And yeah. he's at a point in his life where he's like, you know, so he'll do one tour a year with Shellac and he'll and he'll make a load of dough out of that. And then he'll come back and he'll just spend and he'll just gamble all the winnings. Cause he I don't know if you know this about him, but he's he, he he's he's won like world poker championships and stuff like that. I did not know this. Yeah. So we t- talked to him a bit about it and he he, he actually yeah, he, he won he won quite a big one. Um and won quite a bit of money on it. But he's he's now like he's now like seeded, I think, as one of the like top world poker players. So he goes and does that as well. Fuck. So he's so he's by day he's like engineering electrical audio. Then he'll go and do shellac like once a year, like seasonally or whatever. And then the rest of the time he's he's doing he's doing his his poker sh- shit as well. Wow. Yeah. So it's quite it's quite a, he's he's lived a really really interesting life yeah. he's worked with so many great bands and he had so many great stories and stuff and um, it's just a pleasure and it, a, a great box to tick um, I'm not I'm not saying that, that it, it was a, a better working with him than anyone else because I feel as yeah. I've worked with some really incredible producers in the past Sean Janocki did all the baddie stuff Dave Erringer Sam Williams did a lot of the Ingerica stuff as well and, and Tom Michener did a lot of the Asylum stuff but it's just to to go there and do that with him, of course. Tick it off, you yeah, know. You yeah, can't, yeah, you, can't yeah. you can't turn that one down, can you? So the album, yeah. So that's that's going to be coming out on our own label, Cool Thing Records, in um, in the summer. I, I don't think I know the date, and if I do, I probably shouldn't say. Right. So <laughs> um, that's live gonna, show. Is yeah, there's the live show coming up, which is going to be at the Moth Club. So mm-hmm. that's like the biggest. I've not actually been there, but it looks the nuts from from yeah, the mate. pictures I've seen. Um, and that'll be like the kind of, it's about 400, 500 capacity in it. Yeah, so that'll be the biggest London show that we've done to date. And that's not till October, so the album will be out by that yeah. point. People would have like kind of consumed it. I think we've kind of learned that you don't really need to necessarily go out and, and kick the balls out of playing live. Like just keep touring and touring and touring these days if you're actually promoting it. Yeah. I think that in the past, I've always been in, particularly in Angerica and in Baddies, which has been like, you know, playing so many shows. And it, it does it does help, you know, yeah. don't get me wrong, but it can be like really tough and uh, yeah. tough on you. And I think we're at a time in our life where we we don't want to kind of get to a point where we hate doing it. We want to yeah. just be looking forward to those yeah. shows. So a, ha- a handful of select shows that are fun rather than being, yeah. you know, because there was a, a turning point a little bit with Asylums. I remember it was like, you know, we've, we we were playing like one show would be great and the next one there'd be like no one there and it's like, oh, we, we don't want to be doing that. I'm, you start to have like, the, those those shows are like the contemplators where you're just like, what am I doing? I'm yeah. like 30, 30 odd years old and I'm still doing this crap. Yeah. But then when when you start, into, you've got to remember that you've got to do that one to get to the next one. Yeah. And they're, we're at a point now, we've worked so hard where it's like, you know, I think we're earning it. I think we've yeah. worked hard. And to be on album three... I didn't. This is like unknown territory for me now yeah. because I've always done like one or two, and then it's it's kind of you, you're out, you know. Yeah. 
So to do like three of asylums, one with bait, another one coming with bait as well, and then to have all the other releases coming out on the label, other people's music, that's kind of a, it's a nice place to be. Yeah, it, fucking now. great place, mate. Yeah. Um, so, where can people find out about the bands? Is it is it good to go to Cool Thing and, and check it all yeah, out? Yeah, so go to coolthingrecords.com. That takes you uh, straight to our, our Bandcamp page where, like, kind of any physical music we've got available there is, is up for sale. And also all, all of the uh, digital back catalogues there as well. Um, obviously, you can go on all the social media sites yep. and that. And to be fair, if you want to hear the latest news and stuff, the the Twitter, the Instagram, the the Facebook is is the best place to is the best place to go. We um we see the label really is is it's a music community. Yeah. So everybody kind of shares each other's yeah like um successes or, or whatever and, and and it it's a kind of philosophy that I never used to I, I used to live by and I do now and as soon as I've started living by it by actually not being against each other and not not kind of being in competition, yeah. but actually working together and you know supporting each other is actually for me. I, I think it's the most important thing I I've done, and yeah. is to just take that on now because as soon as you start doing that, everything feels good. The pressure's off. Yeah, you know you're helping each other out. You know, you're in it together. You're not just kind of on your own, like in yeah. this bloody ocean. Yeah. And, and you know, stranded, and you've got, you're there together, you know? Well, I'll tag all the socials for all the bands on the post when this come out. Mm. Uh, so, so, so go and um, give them all a follow. And, and also, I'll do a Spotify playlist to accompany this. So, um, what I'll do, obviously, I'll put all the tracks that, that you've Jones. chosen, including <laughs> Tom, if you're starting with that. Um, and then what I'll also do is um, is I'll put up uh, a selection of tracks on from your bands and some other bits from the label. Yeah, cool. Uh, feel free to pick your favourite ones as oh, well. Oh, I will. Oh, good. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> mate, it's been lovely catching up. Yeah, yeah, man. Thanks loads, Mike. Yeah, see you later. There you have it. Both parts done. Completed it, mate. Thank you very much for listening, um, and thank you very much to Mike. It was, uh, as I said at the beginning, it'd been a long time since we'd we'd had a catch up, um, and he's just a smashing guy. He's um, he's done so much amazing stuff in in, in bands, and um, you know most people are lucky if they get a record deal once in their life, and uh, and you know to have to get signed twice, and then to set up a label and 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 be you know. Uh, in America, working with Steve Albini on your third album, it's, it's it's amazing, and and that that is due to nothing other than hard work and talent, and um, you know, Mike's got both you know both elements of that in abundance, and uh, and yeah, it's a real real pleasure to um, to have watched all of this stuff happen as well. Um, okay, well, thanks ever so much, and please go and have a look in the back catalogue. Um, Go and have a look at some of the other recent episodes, whether they be, blimey, Baxter Jury, Matt Willis of Busted. Oh, blimey, I'm trying to think who else I've been recording with lately. I recorded a lot of these quite a while before they come out, so I'm just trying to think what what else has been out recently. But, um, but yeah, and, and, and go back as well. Have a look at and listen to some of the episodes that I've done with like the likes of Sheik and... We'll go to the, very, to the very beginning. Listen to me being all nervous, interviewing Scroobius Pip. That's worth a listen. All right, that's me done. I will see you next time. Thanks again. Bye-bye.
Oh yeah. Sorry. I've butted in yet again. I just want to quickly tell you about this magazine. It's called Pod Bible. Now Pod Bible is the new essential guide to podcasts. It's put together alongside Spotify and Acast and it's a one-stop shop to tell you all about the podcasts you maybe know about but definitely about a load of the podcasts that you probably don't know about that we think you should know about. I mean in the first edition there's interviews with Adam Buxton, interviews with Craig Parkinson, um, there's features on Jade Adams and there's just an abundance of information about so many exciting podcasts that are out there. Also Spotify have given us these amazing little codes so if you do get a print copy you can just turn on your Spotify on your phone scan the little code and it just automatically opens up the podcast on your listening device how good's that if you haven't managed to get a print copy then just go over to www.podbiblemag.com and read it online because the digital version is all over there and it's all free so every other month there'll be a new edition out. So go and have a look and support us on the social medias as well. Podbiblemag.com It's Off The Beat and Track Podcast on the Distraction Pieces Network. With me, Stu Whipping. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.